Welcome, movie fans, back for another Anatomy movie here on Popcorn Talk. We're talking going in style with Michael Caine, Alan Rickman, or Alan Arkin, my apologies, and Morgan Freeman. So stay tuned as we dissect going in style. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. It's a duo today. We have Dimitri Pano. Hey, Phil. How are you? I'm good. And you have me, Phil Svitek. A man that's all about style, and then a man who has no style. We're talking the 2017 remake of a 1979 movie. Uh, vastly different, by the way. Vast. Different. I did not know of the original until afterwards, and I did have a chance to see it, so I'm excited to talk about it. Um, one of the things I'm excited to talk about, apart from the the movie itself, is the uh, the demographics of the elderly in terms of movie going habits. Yes, because I saw some interesting articles on that. Uh, but before we begin, we should let you guys know if you're just joining us for the very first time. First off, welcome. <laughs> Hey, welcome. Uh, second off, it is going to be spoiler-filled, so if you haven't seen the movie, understand that. We, uh, we, we do get a lot of people that just watch us anyway, which is fine, but understand we are going to give away the beginning, the middle, and the end. Um, and that's it, so thank you. It's actually refreshing, uh, you know, and I have big news to start off, too, but yeah, I have noticed that people have watched us or do watch us. Without having seen the movie before. So it's almost like maybe watching us, they get a sense of the movie, and sometimes they're either encouraged or inspired to go, or just inspired to shut us off. <laughs> um, but either way, like, you know, you, you know, uh, we are uh, uh, also reading the comments, right? And, and the comments have been really solid folks. Um, and uh, and very appreciated, it. and, it, and it's heartwarming. You, you take time to watch us. We're a different show. Um, we're not a soundbite show. You you tune in. We're about an hour and a half usually on, on average. Sometimes we go more, maybe sometimes less. But you put in the time to watch us. Very much appreciated. But when you also put in the time to write us, you're taking your you're taking time to to, to sit and put some thoughts together. It's very much appreciated. And I've noticed. And you know because of it, I've noticed we're number one in Germany. <laughs> We're number one in Germany. We're number one in Stockholm, believe it or not. We're number one in the Great White North, Canada, A. Eh? And we're number one in Minnesota. We have, I think, our number one fan is in Minnesota, uh, who goes by Straight Edge uh, Vegan Abel, I believe. And, and and you're looking at me like, how do you know all this? Like, how you is just it? do? Well, I know it because look, if you comment on us and you tell us where you're where your province, town, village, city, state is, and you have to say, hey, I'm from here, guess what? You're going to be number one <laughs> in our ratings book, and we'll say, hey, we're number one there. there and you go. the whole thought process is, folks, is that you tell friends, and we'll slowly seep throughout the entire world, and we'll be number one in the world, because so many people are watching Anatomy of a Movie. There you go. So... It's our oh, yeah. secret mission to take over the world. Yep. <laughs> slowly, slowly. One, one frame at a time. That's right. There that's you the go. slogan. Um, but let's, uh, b- before we hit old age, let's talk about going in style. <laughs> uh, overall thoughts, Dimitri. Well, 
where do I begin? The original, as you mentioned, 1979 movie, that going in style, well, it had George Burns, had Art Carney, it had Lee Strasberg. Who, uh, who's Lee Strasberg? Well, I think some of you may have seen Godfather 2. He was Hyman Roth. In God, God. That's what he's, I believe, most noted for, on top of a very popular, uh, successful acting school. I believe that's mm-hmm. his. I believe. So, you know, that movie had heart, laughs. It had a bittersweet sentiment to it. And it was really about thematically resentment of growing old and what am I, what's, what's life have to offer me? Like, what am I doing? Um, it was also directed by Martin Brest, who went on to direct movies you may have heard of, like Beverly Hills Cop, Midnight Run. Um, you know, and that's 1979 going in style. We'll talk a little bit more about it. So what is this remake directed by Zach Braff for me? What does it, what does it have going for it? Oh, for me, good use of split screen? I don't know what to tell you. For me, this movie was it was it, well it was trite i found it to be very contrived i find it to be pandering towards its audience almost to uh, almost insulting uh, i found it to be so sickly sweet that it would make cotton candy gag uh and and and, and yet you had michael kane alan arkin morgan freeman people who have longevity in this business oscar winners oscar winners and Decent chemistry together, but I felt that they were so wasted, and they did their best to keep this movie from falling apart. But in the end, the screenplay, it was the screenplay to me that shocked the hell out of me, because A, it was uh, it was written by Theodore Melfi. You remember him? I talked great praise about this guy, because he did Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. My favorite movie of 2016, and this movie... I don't know. It unabashedly panders to its audience, and it handles something with a little more, you know, I wish it just handled it and given the audience a little bit more credit to handle something like the 1979 going in style, put a little more meat in its bones. Brass Directions, to me, it was fine. Kept the movie going. I think this is his biggest budgeted feature. Um, and he was fine, but I... I, I I just honestly felt he was handcuffed along with the cast to an empty calorie screenplay. And in the end, once I awoke from the sugar shock, I found myself was it the, being the sugar angry. or the cocaine and the cotton candy. <laughs> the cocaine and the cotton candy. Yeah. Yeah. It was the cocaine and the cotton candy. And then, um, I don't know, Joey King, who I usually, uh, who I like adore as well. Um, you know, performances were fine. And Margaret, it's lovely to see her again. But she went from being in grumpy old men to curmudgingly old men. You know, yeah. I, it, I don't know. I, I just didn't. It tried to just be so positive on all fronts that for me it failed. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have the quite the same sentiment as you. I actually, I actually did enjoy it. Uh, so this should be fun. Maybe, you know, I saw it Friday night the day it came out. I was in the mood to see a comedy. It's been a while since I got to see a comedy, um, and so you know, I was just in the mood. And the, for whatever reason, the audience that I was with, they were laughing. So then I laughed, and then that made me want to laugh more. And then in turn, they laughed. So it, it kind of became infectious. Um, and I liked it, you yeah. know, I, I, I thought it was not necessarily 
a screwball comedy, but something along along, along those lines. Yeah, you um, bring up a good point though. A comedy like there aren't. You remember when like there used to be a plethora of comedies, yeah. and and most of them were funny. Like the last comedy we really talked about was uh, fist, fist fight. fight. But even that, I, I enjoyed that heavily. Me but too. I saw it with three people, and I was laughing. Yes, but it was tough. it was very hard to to it's shoulder tough. that burden. And maybe I mean, well, no, I saw it with uh, with uh, well, number one, I, I can honestly say I was the youngest in the audience, and that's saying <laughs> something. And the audience I saw it with, they were hooting and hollering too, and I was just going, "What the hell are you laughing at? Like this is like this is making you look stupid." Um, but you're right. Comedies and horror movies, like those are movies that with a great crowd, it's so infectious. Like even sometimes if a joke doesn't work, if everybody else around you is laughing, it'll make you laugh. Yeah. So, yeah, I get I get I get 100 percent what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, maybe I was fooled into this. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give the acting uh, much more praise than perhaps uh, you will, uh, you know. It felt like they were enjoying themselves as these characters, um, and obviously they're phenomenal actors. So whether or not they actually were, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like that to me, and so I was also infected by that of what was on screen with them. Uh, and they, they they pulled the moments again. If they're, I, I I haven't had really believe it or not too much time to think back on okay how was the script actually, and I was just fooled by their performances of really. That those tender moments, however contrived they were, um, that I just went along with it. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I, I did enjoy it. I think it's vastly different of the 1979 movie it, thematically and among other things. And I, you know, the one thing I'll cop to is I think it's too easy a thing to you know p- part of the development of it was okay. Well, how do we do it? The whole idea of banks and getting even is such a sort of cliche notion at this point. That it seemed, that wasn't easy in and, and was an easy selling point enough for everybody there. Um, you know, I don't necessarily share 100 percent the same sentiment, only because then, yeah, I don't know. It just for me, it takes away any responsibility that people have towards themselves. Sure. Uh, I'm not saying that the banks or anything else is off the hook, but you know, at the same time, I just hate getting petty and no, caught I... up in that. But as, politics aside. You know, um, I, I thought the movie worked overall. Yeah, I mean, you, you, and again, you bring up you bring up a really good point too. So regarding like the the the, the plot devices, you know, let's blame the banks. This is why we're going to rob the bank. <clears throat> and pardon me, uh, I just kept on thinking of a much better movie, um, Hell or Hell or High Water, mm-hmm. which not a comedy, but the plot line was sort of similar like they're robbing banks to get money to pay a bank because they're going to lose their mortgage which is sort of similar here um in the banks are the bad guys corporations are the bad guys okay you want to bring it into modern times modern day i i I almost get it with the exception of number one i mentioned grumpy old men grumpy old men Always respected its characters. It's a much, it's a better movie, and it's a little more heartfelt. Also starring Anne Margaret, but it it it, they, it treated these old grumpy old men. The script was it was just better. It treated them with smarts. They you know this movie didn't the original 1979. It wasn't about robbing a bank. It's like all we do now is we're retired and 
we live off our means and we feed birds in the park. It's like we need something exciting in our lives. We got to let's well, let's rob a bank and yeah. hijinks ensue. I mean, it was a comedy. It's a, it is a comedy. I mean, they wore the Marx Brothers. They wore the Marx costume, so yeah, <laughs> which is great. Um, and this just was it, for me. It just ended up being devoid of of that. Uh, and I, I like these actors. I respect the actors, um, and they were fine. And they're always good at whatever. Even in a movie like this, like you can look at Michael Caine and go. He's giving a performance, you know. He didn't just show up. I, I can't say that they telephoned or they did no. it just for the paycheck. I think they were behind their director and, and behind the material. They like they believed in it. I thought some of the best scenes were uh, between Alan Arkin and Anne Margaret. Um, those are the ones that probably made me laugh uh, the most. And also Michael Caine with his little granddaughter, Joey King, was good. But when I talk about contrivance, I'm like... Oi, ay, 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 there's a scene where, uh, well, after the bank robbery, and uh, they, 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 they bring all these old codgers into a gymnasium on wheelchairs for, like, a suspect lineup, and they bring in uh, Morgan Freeman's character here, and, like, this guy, just the scene before, was in a hospital for renal failure, and I'm like, really? Like... He was having renal failure, but you're going to take him out of a hot... Like, you couldn't have the, the, the star witnesses, uh, this little girl. And I was like, oh, good God. Like, it was, to me, it was like the, the dumbest plot device, like, the, in this movie, one of them. And it's it sort of, like, that stuff sort of lost me. It didn't respect the characters. It didn't respect, like, growing old and what... Like, I get the sense of losing a house... And such, but it also made them just look at sometimes inept. And I didn't want them to be inept. I wanted them to be, I wanted, especially some of the supporting characters, I wanted them to, they should have just been portrayed a little smarter. The original going in style, these, gar, these guys were a little smarter, you know, mm -hmm. but although there was the slapstick with them putting bullets into the gun, that was sort of funny, but. I don't know. It was I was like there was no way I was going to figure the, these guys could take pull off like robbing a bank. Yeah. Um so well, but, I, I think it's I I think it's comedy in general uh, you know I think it's going towards a lower common denominator just because right. it feels like it has to. I'm not saying that is the only solution. Um we we've seen many cases otherwise. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's what you get. And, yeah. you know, I mean, to that same token, I mean, Theodore Melfi, um, while great, I mean, I don't know, maybe does it take an older person, whether male or female, to actually write something for for this sort of demo? Well, to, to, be, rep listen, to be present, you know, properly. I, I, the answer to that, I think, is twofold. A, the argument can be he succeeded because box office-wise it did better than... Expected. Intended. Expected, okay. So, on the other hand, you can argue no, but they did purposely want to make a different movie than the 1979 version. And Melvi even says it himself, like, we took it as an inspiration, and but they didn't want to include the bittersweetness of it all. They didn't want to include, like, characters dying. I mean, because we have in the original, there, there, there are two main deaths, and uh, they they get caught, or one gets caught. But that's a great line at the end. Um, 
Are you talking about that? Oh, they can't keep they me. They can't keep me. It's George Burns delivering it. And he just has this evil, like, this, this, this grin. He's like, ah, don't worry about it, kid. You think this place can keep me? It's a great, it's a great ending line. But this movie, they just completely stayed away from anybody dying, anybody having any type of conflict, anything going on. And everything just ends up, you know, roses for them. But that was done on purpose. Like, and to me, that's like, you know, just give a little more credit to the audience. But with that said, that's me. The audience I saw with was eating it up. Your audience was eating it up. So uh, the audience reception was was was. was well, was I, I, I don't know if that's you know I, I I wouldn't necessarily cite those things as the problem. You know, like if that's what you set out to do, I don't think that's necessarily the problem that you're citing overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know there's you can still work with those bullet points and structure in such a way that that appeals to to the problems that you sure. have. Um, you know, in that way, and yeah, I mean, I, I have read um, enough articles at this point talking about how we look at, and you know, we I might as well have this conversation now. How uh, you know the elderly are portrayed in movies, and yet they represent twenty percent of the box office. Mm-hmm. And you know, to your point, like that they're eating it up. But so I, I, I would love to see like a full comparison of what the elderly actually think of it. Um, but it. it a lot of critics are saying like that they're they elderly are just being portrayed as buffoons. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 an actor whom near and dear to my heart because he's the great Doc Brown. Uh, he was also in Maria and Kevin's movie, mm-hmm. um, uh, Serial Buddies. Uh, Christopher Lloyd uh, is also in Star Trek Three as a Klingon. Krug, so near and dear to my heart. But in this movie, I was like, what's this guy doing out of the home? Like literally. He was, he was so moronic, and he, like, so it's like, how how can he be out on no supervision whatsoever? And it, and again, to me, it was like sort of insulting. It's like, wow, is this how they're portraying older people um, <clears throat> to be this way? And that's why, if like of recent times, grumpy old men never they they were never treated that way. Uh, of course, you have Lemon and Matthau in that. You, you have a great cast here. Um, um, well, part, I mean, not that it hit the message 100% clearly, but I think there's evidence of, I, I mean, in terms of him, maybe he realistically needed to be in a home. Like, he needed some sort of care. But I perhaps a little bit of the message, again, not that it's clear, is that we just don't take care of our elderly that actually right. do need help. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't it's know. It's an argument, the, but I'm not saying it's yeah. evident. Uh, in I the get movie. it. No, that valid point, you know, and... Again, for a director, for, for Zach Braff, um, you know, he didn't need a Kickstarter campaign for this movie or anything. He was offered it. And and again, I, I can see from his standpoint why he would take this. You know, he said it was Theodore Melfi's script. But then, you know, when you get people coming on board, like Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, Alan Arkin, <clears throat> to me, and even he says, he goes, I, I, I he goes, I was, it was, Getting this cast, he goes, the cast, he said, it made it easy for me to, to pick this. And he goes on, like, where he he didn't want, he was so enamored of this cast. He, like, it was hard for him not to act like a deer in the headlights. And these actors are seasoned. They don't want a buffoon. They, they're not going to be in a picture. Uh, or, or they'll make it very difficult for a person if they feel as an idiot 
who's directing this. And Zach Braff had to be a good leader. And all of each of them say that he did a really fine job. And that helped Zach Braff, you know, in, in directing this movie. Um, and again, I, I can't I can't pick in anything about his direction. He made the movie move along um, pretty well. Um, but, you know, he he gets a little bit more of a budget. I think this was a $25 million, uh, $25 million budget. He was working with three to $5 million budget, so he's getting 20-plus more, you know, to work with. Uh, but, it, but to his credit, he says, yeah, my directing style didn't change, and his past movies, and we've done them here, they are character-driven movies. Uh, he will stay on conversation, which is refreshing in this day and age so he didn't change his style outside of like his use of split screen geez i haven't seen that much split screen since like the boston strangler uh, but it was i mean at least they kept the movie going okay. so you know and he and obviously he was good with the young and the old he gets a really good performance out of jamie king right and Fantastic. michael allen and morgan he he delivers and he gets them to do things like Getting Morgan Freeman in like a, a lark cart, <laughs> like and, and yeah, and they, they actually did that. Um, so yeah, he got he got he got the best of those performances given the material that he had to work with. Yeah, um, you know, I, it, it actually is a very diverse cast. You know, uh, even just like having Matt Dillon, um, Keenan Thompson. Um, I thought he was he was also fantastic. He was good. I like Keenan Thompson. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I give him credit. Him. I give him credit for uh, figuring that one out with yeah. um, Alan Alan Arkin. Yeah, and again, that was like really wow. That's that okay? But yeah, yeah, um, it, yeah. The, the 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 you know what? Um, just story wise, the thing that I I do I'll cop to was a little bit over the top was uh, the character of Jesus. Being the the catalyst to get it all going and then being the same guy, right? That was, yeah, that 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 it just was the that cherry tied on top. It too much, yeah, for me. That was the cherry on top. But I like that actor, um, uh, John Ortiz. John Ortiz. Yeah, no, I I, I like watching him, um, and I like watching. Uh, you know, it was even good to see Anne Margaret uh, again. And you know, it, it's funny um, for her. She was asked, like, how it was for her to walk into the set and be part of the production. And she said, you know, one of her first days when she went into hair and makeup and clothing, he said Zach had 50s and 60s songs blaring. <laughs> and she said, I can't tell you how much it just got me in the mood. Yeah. She goes, you know, she goes, we were dancing. They just and everybody it helped with the chemistry um, with these people which I thought was fantastic. And with our three actors, Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine have worked together before. They hadn't worked with Alan Arkin. You know, and Alan Arkin... Well, I think Morgan Freeman and um, Alan did. Did they? I, I'm not... They I worked was, on, like, one Maybe movie. it was Michael Caine and, and Alan Arkin. Yeah, those two Hadn't didn't. worked. Um, but... Each each of these people are accomplished people. They've been in comedies. They've been in dramas. They've been in action movies. Um... You know, and they've they've done it all. Uh, Alan Arkin is 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 a favorite of mine. I mean, one of one of the funniest movies, The In Laws, the original In Laws, not the remake, but the original In Laws is, is an historical movie. It's also in a, a lesser known movie called Freebie and the Bean. 
which I really enjoy. Uh, also, many people who may not know, he took a turn as Chief Inspector Clouseau. He and he he was he played the, what Peter Sellers made famous, and he did one movie as uh, Inspector Clouseau, and he was actually very funny, um, you know. And of course, Little Miss Sunshine you can't take away from. So, all of these people have won Academy Awards for well for good reason. They're talented actors who can pull off and maybe even raise the bar for what might not be so great. And that's you know. To point at something, that's something that I could just enjoy seeing them perform, in the mere fact. But with their age, though, it made it like it was. It was different when we always talk about people on set. And so, Anne Margaret saying Zach Braff was keeping everybody lively. Alan Arkin was asked a question about, "Hey, did you guys like you guys get along together on set?" And his answer was, "No." We pretty much, we had our 12-hour days in between. We just go to our trailer. We're old. We went to our trailers and rested. And then got up to go to our next scene. And it's like, oh, to me, that was just so sad. <laughs> he goes, we, we actually got to know each other more on the press junket. Yeah. That's when we hung out together. During the movie, it was like, no, as soon as he said cut, yeah, I go to the trailer. I'm old. I got to go to sleep. And I was like, oh, that's sort of sad. Uh, yes and no. I mean, you know, not that this is whatever you think about the movie, but like the fact that you're creating an art form, you know, at the end right. of the day, like put your energy towards that. You now, know, and then, now, see, you know, in this interview, had you worked with Morgan or Michael before this, or was it the first time? And he says, no, I never worked with either of them. Uh, he well, said, so uh, unless he's IMDb trivia, then is, something is off. Maybe that, that's that's what he says, but. You know, this was an interview that to, I was, to be fair, um, I, I forget because this was through the IMDb trivia, so they could have been a movie together, but not had scenes together. That's so true. that you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> so true, true. So um, you know, and, and we could talk about like a couple of. Um, we should talk about a couple of scenes uh, within the movie, um, but it, but it's interesting because this movie has at least a five-year maturation, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak, uh, because it was uh, in October of 2012, October of 2012, that New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers said they were going to develop a remake of uh, the heist comedy going in style. Uh, they already had Theodore Melfi set to write the script. Um, Tony Bill, who was a producer in the original, uh, mm. came on board as a producer here. Um, and then going to 2013, a gentleman by the name of Don Scardino was hired to direct the film. And September 19th of that same year, 2013, Melfi, who wrote the script, was in talks to direct the film. So it was going all over the place, but it was uh, pretty much they had a year to try to figure out who was direct, and it wasn't until November of 2014 that Braff was in talks and uh, and and then uh, got got the movie. And it was announced actually too that Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine were cast, and uh, apparently Dustin Hoffman was he in was talks. in talks. Yeah, that would have been interesting. It too. could have been. You know, I mean, he's different from Alan Arkin, Academy Award winner. It would have been interesting to see him in the role, um, 
Yeah, it would have been interesting to see been, his take. It would have, yeah, it would certainly been um, in some some ways, and in the spirit of which is intended. It would, it would have been interesting to have Al Pacino simply because they had Dog Day Afternoon well, been- <laughs> as part of like uh, just the, their homework, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I found humorous. That was the most cleverest thing in this movie. Is that somebody was watching Dog Day Afternoon, which is about robbing a bank. That was to get a sex change operation, but they had the famous Attica scene. <laughs> so I was like, ah, oh, dog day afternoon. Like, I'm wondering, I'm sitting in the audience going, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing. I was the only one laughing at it. I laughed because you know, I knew. It, I was like, was they're watching dog day. Yeah, I've seen that movie. And I'll say, too, it was good to see Matt Dillon mm-hmm. uh, again. Um, so... It had cast. And then the principal photography of this movie, here's the thing. It be, it was in New York City. They used a lot in New York City, which is great. Um, and uh, August 3rd, 2015. So that's over two years ago. And what was unbeknownst to me about the movie is that, and I found out about the research, I did not know this movie sat on a shelf for a year. Almost a year. It was to have come out in 2016. Um, but it was it was going to go up against uh, Captain America Civil War. And they figured, eh, probably not the mm. best. Um, so, but to hold it for a year is, like, crazy. In the end, somebody can pat themselves on the back and say, hey, look what we did box office-wise. Um, that's not too shabby. It was a good thing that we held it a year. But I would also understand... It must have been a really big undertaking just to try to get these people back together and to organize any kind of a press junket where they are in it. I'm not saying this in a demeaning way where they actually are going to like since 2014 or 2015 when they started filming, no. they've been busy people. And like to remember specific details about. I don't remember what I had for dinner last night. Well, that, so to be I mean, talking it, about something that happened two years ago. I mean, to be fair, a lot of movies sometimes have that time frame, but at the same time, it's built into okay, you know, your press date is going to be around here. So right. okay, <clears throat> yeah, you can kind of be around yeah. that. Versus like, oh, well, okay, that didn't happen. Move it back a year. Right. Oh wait, now I really have to think because. You know, at least I had it then in my mind to be talking about that. Now yeah. I just kind of put it on the shelf. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. So it must have been hard to do. And, uh, you know, just getting these talent to talk about something that they had done, which, you know, which could have seemed eons ago. And, and again, I'm not being demeaning. I'm just saying in a blink of an eye, so much time can go by. And this wasn't like a big, it's not like filming a Dark Knight movie, you know, so... Um, but I'm sure they're all happy to get back together again. Um, you know, and uh, l- listen, Zach Braff, happy to be directing. Um, and I just think that it was him talking about the chemistry of Anne Margaret and Alan Arkin was was um, interesting because, he, you know, Alan Margaret uh, or Anne Margaret came out and said, you know, Alan's weird. <laughs> She's like, he talks weird, walks weird, acts weird, and he looks weird. She says jokingly, you know, and I said that to his wife and his wife is like, yeah, he, he's uniquely weird. And Zach Braff, though, put, put the two of them together. And then I think casting wise, their chemistry worked. 
I thought that they were very. I like the scenes in the grocery store with the two of them. Um, and he was the very curmudgeonly, you know, he was just waiting to die, more or less. Um, but I thought that their chemistry was was probably the best. Um, and Zach Braff going on just talking about the challenges of working in New York City. Um, he said, actually, uh, the supermarket sequence was actually more challenging than the bank robbery sequence to mm. shoot. Um, and I thought that that was interesting because he and he said because they had to put Morgan Freeman in a basket <laughs> and have Michael Caine drive an electric cart with that basket attached, <laughs> and they had to do it around Williamsburg, Brooklyn, of all places, in the middle of summer. And Michael and Mor- uh, Morgan did almost all of it, even through traffic on an extremely hot day. And Morgan, who is six foot two feet tall. Right, they had to make a special carton basket, and uh, they made it so comfortable for him that in between takes, he just didn't even bother getting out. That's funny. <laughs> so I think that's funny. Six foot two, he's a big guy. Big guy, very sweet guy though. Yeah, very sweet guy. Yeah, not a surprise. I mean, it's no surprise any of them have lasted this long. You know what I mean? Like it takes obviously a special something to be able to have that longevity. Well. Absolutely. And I remember Morgan Freeman from the electric company days, you know, Michael Caine has been around for whether it's a Woody Allen film, whether it's Jaws the Revenge um, or you know, the Dark Knight movies now. But uh, um, I believe he was the original Get Carter. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he has done it all. Um, and uh, same with Alan Arkin. I mean, you have legendary status these are people who have been around and when you talk about longevity the mere fact that people can give them rules Morgan Freeman is the voice of God I mean he has such timber in his voice uh, you know he's he's made a, a career of, of voice talent as well so that's what's amazing I just wish they had better material to work from well let me ask you this I mean yeah in terms of one of the, one of the things you cited was that everything was was wrapped up in a bow or or um, in whatever way. One of the things that I did appreciate again, it might have pushed it a little bit too far, but it gave clear cut reasons as to the things that we mentioned, whether it was the kidneys, um, whether it was the the apartment going away, um, or <laughs> um, in terms of Albert, you know, it was just the simple fact that. He had nobody, um, and he was going to outlive all of them because that's his luck. Uh, so it made their reasons very clear-cut um, versus in the original. Again, it's just that kind of philosophical, what do we do with our time, yeah. more so. We're sitting here being berated by kids feeding pigeons. Yeah. Let's do something. With, let's go. The movie's called Going in Style. Yeah. Let's go in style. Yeah. So and they sort of kind of do. They do. <laughs> and and in it's this funny. One, you know, and I, I don't know, I'm just, basically the question is, do, do you feel like, and the answer for me is yes, that audiences today sort of need like a, a very specific reason to all those things. I, I feel that the original had set up a, a really good reason that that was genuine. And, and I think thematically, I think it could still work today. Even with that said, I do believe that, you know, I, I get... What they were saying, we need to make it modern. But I only question, throw that question back. It's like, do you? Like, why is that theme of getting old? Why 
why does that need to be modernized? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a constant thread. It's a constant theme that we all have to face in one way, shape, or form. Um, I just wish that the movie did a little better. Uh, and, you know, giving, okay, so the kidney thing, you know, it's it sort of, that too was sort of kind of amazing that the, the, these are his two best buddies and they had no idea that he was going in for dialysis. They had no idea that any of this was going on. I was a little bit surprised. It, it, like that sort of kind of didn't fly with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it was treated like in one scene, well, he's got renal failure, but up oh, the next scene, he's in, he gets out of a hospital. I'm like, wait, that he's in a, he's in a serious state here. Um, you know, and then Alan Arkin's character gives him his kidney. And what's the line? Uh, Alan no, Arkin why do says, I need to? <laughs> well, but, but no, he also said something like, I forget which character it was. Oh, I'm going to live another 20 years. 20? Nah, 10. He goes, okay, 10 years. Yeah. Something. If At the wedding. So yeah. we have to, we, we've got a wedding in this movie. <laughs> so. Which seemed like a eulogy. Yeah. yeah they that they, was they the played trick. that ploy. Yep. Um. Which I didn't necessarily mind, but I was like, okay. It was, an, it, was a, it was a nice bait and switch, and I actually was going, oh, okay, so that at least one person is. <laughs> and it would have been interesting had it, had it been the Alan Arkin character. Um, that would have been interesting to me. That, uh, But no, no, we pulled back, and it was actually a wedding. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, to tie it up even more neatly, <laughs> and gift wrapped it for you. You get a wedding. Yeah, that, that again. I didn't necessarily need that happy of an ending, but I actually, I you know, I do. Going in, go the original going in style handled um, the deaths in such a tasteful and, and meaningful way, um, and especially the the way this story was going. I was very curious. Are they, you know, because if they got caught, I wouldn't have loved it. And at right. the same time, if one of them did die. Just the tone, the the way it was set up within the first thirty minutes, I, I would have felt dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm don't necessarily love that it was so neatly wrapped up, I'm mm-hmm. glad it didn't go that route because I would have felt cheated. Yeah, and I think that's what the writer, I think that's what Melfi in, in production felt. Um, and you know, I just I just don't know. I mean, I think you just give the the audience a little more credit because the original's not a. It's not a depressing movie. I don't hmm. think it's a very depressing... It's not a depressing movie. You don't leave it going, oh, I'm bummed. It's like, yeah, they, they handled the death with, with, with sentiment. And, and it had heft to it. It had heft. And, and the comedy also helps. And it elevates the character. So there's more, there's more stake to say. So when a character dies, you feel more for that character because you've just been on this journey in which they did something so off the wall for people of that age. And this movie just so, so blatantly shied away, stayed clear. We don't want any, we want to make this a, we want you old people to watch this movie and think everything's hunky dory and this is how it's going to be. And fine. The audience I started with, they, they, they loved seeing Willie Joe and Albert, uh, together, um, so and, and some of the banter w- w- was was fun. Um, I just like I said, it's uh, I just wish there was a little bit of meat in its bones f- 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 for me to to. Well, uh, let's dissect the the bank robbery scene itself, okay? Because I thought obviously a very big piece of sure of the movie, yeah. Um, and so much happens in that that you have to buy in for later on because uh, obviously Matt Dillon's character is 
uses that to, to be able to search for people. Uh, which, by the way, I did love um, the bank teller, whatever his name is, just just coming out a hero. <laughs> yeah, that guy was that guy was annoyingly funny. But again, he was like the character. I'm trying to uh, think, um, trying to find who that actor was. Um, he was so, like, I don't know. He was so. When Michael Caine is talking to him about his mortgage, you know, he was so buffoonishly inconsiderate, like, not professionally, but literally buffoonishly inconsiderate mm-hmm. towards Michael Caine, like. That oh he was I think it's Jonathan Josh Page who played Chuck Lofton I believe that's the the character and like you just couldn't it automatically sets him up as a quote unquote antagonist villain and not just because he worked for the bank not because he was taking you know it was bad enough that he was taking away this guy's house but he had to be so oh, I told you about it up oh, see told you and he goes no you didn't make me aware up oh, right here aware <laughs> made you aware and it just bothered me um but he was the guy that that you know he's supposed to be the comic relief throughout the whole bank robbery but again to me all i could think of uh, tell me if you were similar during the bank robbery all i could i was thinking about heat hmm. <laughs> you know um people jumping up on that middle table mm-hmm. i mean zach braff filmed that grandly he used his space for our three guys to come on in uh now naturally there wasn't the gunplay in the the street shootout but something just reminded me a little bit of heat it was it was very well shot that's one of the reasons why i I wanted to bring it up yeah uh i I felt it had a good pacing um obviously they have two minutes or so within there so it felt i did a good job with sort of real time Mm mm-hmm and, and not letting it drag and so forth. Um, so I, I, w- I would agree with you there. Um, yeah. You know, not obviously, be, it, w- it was great to see. I did enjoy it, the fact that the first one was in the same bank, because then you're able to directly compare the two, right. um, which was a clever device, at least in that sense, um, to see, okay, what are they doing right? right? What are they doing wrong? Because this is how the first one went. Oh, boy. And then the yeah. second one's going like this. Yeah. Um, but in terms of that guy, though, I mean, again, I, this is just me. Chuck Lofton. In, in terms yeah, of the, Chuck. The bank. Uh, this is me per, perhaps projecting, but it's like, you know, I think this guy <laughs> hates himself for the job he does. And so at this point, he's just got to justify everything. And yeah. so the, the, the less personal he is, yeah. the better he can sleep at night. Yeah. Again, yeah. that's just my justification mm-hmm. of it. Take it or leave it. But Let me ask you something. So um, earlier... We had, oh, let's try, before we do a bank, let's try uh, robbing the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Number one, why you try robbing the grocery store that you go to, <laughs> where you're, you know, seen on a regular basis? Okay, I'll throw that aside. After how that went down, did you at all believe at all that they could have pulled off a bank job? Like, <laughs> That, that was my other thing. Like, if they were at least were able to pull that that scene off. And again, I wasn't looking for Ocean's Eleven here. Okay? Mm. But I could have... They went so for the lowest common denominator of comedy that, well, what if they did pull it off? Like, mm. wouldn't that make it so that when they're deciding or they're, 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 they're 
going through the steps and plotting out the bank robbery that it would be a little bit more believable. But they were so they were so like it's like hey ho, it was like they were worse than the Three Stooges. And again, yeah. their characters shouldn't have been so dumb. Yeah. Like it was as if they didn't know. Well, I know that they didn't know how to rob anything. But if they had had, if they just treated them, they had a little more confidence. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But after that first scene, it was funny. But I was like, these guys can't pull off a bank robbery. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, they, I don't know. They, they, I, I can safely say that the movie made a conscious decision for that. Not right. even as justified by that scene, but even the montage, the, the, the Rocky montage <laughs> training session, if you will. At no point were they competent in any of the things that they did. No. You know, you, you have to be in peak physical condition. They're basically just walking. <laughs> right? So, uh, so they made a conscious decision to say, okay, yeah, we want you wondering how the hell are they going to pull this off? Um, seems you disagree with it. I don't, I don't know. I could flip one way or the other. Sure. Um, again, upon second viewing, maybe... It, I'm not holding this movie up to be the greatest movie. Sure. I'm just sure. saying, in the moment, I did enjoy yeah, it, and, yeah, yeah. and I went with it, and so yeah, it, it listen, worked. That's and 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 this is why I love the healthy dialogue. It's it's good um, because I'm, there were many people who I'm sure really liked the movie too. Um, again, when we're talking about characters, believe it or not, one of the characters that I sort of kind of liked. Um, but again, he had his neat tie into was uh, Murphy, who's Joey King's f- actual father, mm-hmm. um, played by Peter Serafinowitz. Um, he has good dialogue with Michael Caine. You know, he's like the quote unquote deadbeat dad who learns to like make breakfast. You know, he learns to make breakfast. Um, but again, that scene to me, again, coming from a divorced background, okay? And this one didn't seem like, like, this guy who seemed to be a real deadbeat. I'm like going, oh, the mom's just going to let him in the house? Like, and she's okay with it? And he's going to cook bread? I was like, what the hell is going I thought he was a, Michael Caine hated him. They haven't seen this guy in forever. And he's, he's got like a, a, a pot dispensary. In like a meatpacking district or wherever it was. You know, I mean, I like the guy, and and at least from an acting standpoint, I got his transition and his arc of saying, you know, I, wow, I, I, Michael Caine's treating me that, uh, yeah, I do have to be a better dad, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 I'm getting this from Joe. And you know what, Joe's right, and I'm going to be at the soccer game, and so I I, I get all that. But again, it just goes back to everything tied up. I'm not even sure we needed a stepfather in this movie. But, you know, there he was. But he was good. He was fine. I liked him. What what were your thoughts um, in the bank robbery? I had a feeling things were going to go south, not because they weren't going to pull it off, but because of Willie, Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. And he had an episode. And, and and but it all began with he saw the little girl with with the dolly that reminded him of, of his daughter of, of, of his granddaughter granddaughter and this comes into play later on uh that's the the famous usual spot suspects wheelchair <laughs> lineup. um 
What did you think about that? What the the lineup? No, not the lineup. The the interaction? The, the, that plot device, which sort of held up the robbery a little bit. Um, uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I could have done a little bit without it. I think, um, you know, we could have learned something differently. Only because, yeah, the tension was there of like, okay, what is she going to choose? It's almost too obvious, right? Um, and we knew, like, as it's going on right in the bank itself, his watch is so visible, and right. it's just screaming. I mean, it's the world's the most obvious watch, yeah. Um, and so, with a face of his granddaughter on yeah. it that was given to him as a gift, yeah. So, you know, but but it, it is somewhat of a sweet sentiment when she finally decides not to do it because. Yeah. You know, by having that watch, she knows it's him. And but right. it's that endearing thing of like, I want you to go see your granddaughter. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't fall one way or the other. Could yeah. I have done without it? Perhaps. But yeah. it was. It didn't necessarily bother me right. either. Um, it, it. You know, the second half of of the movie was very much like, how the hell are they gonna get out of this? Yeah. How are we gonna wrap throwing this up? Yeah. everything in there? Even down to like the Matt Dillon thing. I thought that was a little bit too far. Which one when he shows up at the diner? Yeah, at the at diner because I was just like, okay, now what? Like, when are we home free? Right, we're throwing everything in that we can. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So. No, I agree. Um, so the the other question too, I wanted because we talked about Zach Braths directing. What what did you think about how he handled uh, like how he handled his directing in this movie? I mean, he's filming in a in, in mm. whether it's Brooklyn or New York City. Um, what did you find of what did you feel of his directing? I thought it would, you know I would love to see him do a caper movie simply because I, I thought he did a good job with that overall. I thought he had fun technique as you said with the with the three screen. Uh, I thought sort of the explanation of the oceans 11 type of heist then we're going back and he's you know and we see the video cameras boom 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 okay that's what it's perceived as but here's the reality mm-hmm. so i did enjoy that side of it um you know and and yeah i mean part of part of what made it work was because there's a certain comedies that that c- can go on I, honestly <laughs> if a comedy's over an hour and 40 i promise you i will unless it's something really amazing i will probably dislike it even if it's not the world's best comedy, if it comes in at 90 minutes, it's sometimes hard for me to be like, okay, well, that's just a yeah. bad movie. I'm like, you know what? It was concise. Yeah, it and was in and out. It, sure. it had jokes within it, and sure. so I laughed at the jokes. And yeah. you know what? Great. Yeah. Good use of my 90 minutes. Yeah, and I can't complain about Zach Braff's. You know, that's one thing. I can't complain about his direction. Even his little misdirect at the end where we're thinking that we're at a eulogy, and then you pull back and it's sort of a wedding, and then I was like, oh, of course. Everybody <laughs> lives happily ever after. But at least for two seconds, I thought, well, there's an interesting twist. He <laughs> gives his kidney, and he, he dies during the procedure when we think it's going to be the other way around. But no. Um, you know, uh, so... Apparently, too, uh, Zach uh, put his dad in the movie. Did you? I don't know if you knew that. I did not. He put his dad. He gave him a small part in the film. Why did he put his dad in the movie? Well, according to Zach Braff, it's because he had a huge crush on Anne Margaret. 
<laughs> and he said when I would mention other movie stars that we were considering for going in style, he would say, oh, okay, that's interesting. He goes, when I mentioned the possibility of casting Anne Margaret, he said, now that's a different story. <laughs> so he put him in the movie. Um, so, you know, dad could meet Anne Margaret, who was that's very good- hotsy totsy at the time, too. Like, you know, Anne Margaret. Um, again, we're, we're talking seasoned actors uh, all around so um and that's a good son yeah <laughs> it's a good son <laughs> hey dad <laughs> want to be in a movie <laughs> yeah um anything story or scene wise you want to uh dissect before we more move on to the production side of things although we've even been jumping around within that realm as well but. well you know you know i wanted to talk to you about shooting Shooting in New York City mm-hmm. is is can be a daunting task, okay, uh, especially if you're a big budgeted movie. And this is his big bu- biggest budgeted. So, you know, Zach was saying that they they utilized pretty much all over this. They utilized the whole city, um, and it looked it too. It didn't mm-hmm. look there was nothing that looked fake about no, it. It was you know? shot well. It looked well. <clears throat> yeah, and um, you know uh, when you have recognizable people like Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, Alan Arkin. He goes, he said that was the, one of the bigger challenges about filming in and around that city was crowd forming because people could recognize them. Um, so, and I think that these guys, they're, 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 they're talented enough. Um, they know, and they, they, they believed in Zach and doing what, you know, and doing the best job possible. Um, so, you know, it was a, obviously, definitely the, uh, what do we always, it was that collaborative effort we always mm-hmm. talk about making a movie, whether it's a big budget um, or not. And, uh, you know, I, I think they got their $25 million worth. Uh, I can't think of any scene. I mean, we talked about how that, <clears throat> the, the John Ortiz character, how, you know, he ends up being the guy that robs the bank while Michael Caine is there. And he says we have to take care of our own. You know, it's it's society's responsibility to take, to take care of the elderly. Care, take care of the elderly. And then when we hear that at the end, it's like, wow, that is one heck of a coincidence that <laughs> it was the deadbeat dad who put him in touch with him, who helped him do their job. But yeah, I liked him. You know. How about you? Makes was you there... believe in fate, doesn't it? Well, well, yeah. What did you think about like again? Orchest- it was it wasn't just enough to orchestrate the bank robbery here because we had to organize. Yeah, the bank robbery was the least of it. Yeah, I mean, there's the whole preamble to the bank robbery. It's like we have to go. We got to go to the fair. We have to make our alibis tight. Make sure everybody sees us. You know, then we go off to uh, the porta potty or to the ride. We take a so there was that whole montage sequence too, and then when we see sort of kind of the stuff that we didn't originally see, like how do they get out of the bank and how do they get back to the? Because I didn't know they got back to the um, to the fair. To the fair. So that whole sequence between its editing. And the way that it directed was paced pretty well. I, I like that. You know, it was it was done well. Yeah, I told you, you the information in a concise, clear. Yeah. Fast what you needed to know at, at the point at which you needed to know. Yeah, and and it held back what you needed to know to 
so you, yeah. you needed to know. So you needed to know. <laughs> so <laughs> when do yeah. I need to know? You'll know. Yeah, you'll know. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. No, I found that that was very interesting too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, definitely really good technique overall. So that's why it, I, I do think I'm, I'm excited. Like, if I, I like heist movies, I would like to see more heist movies. And whether or not it's a comedy, you know, I, I give Zach a shot at it. No, but you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. He had a technique down. And he was, you know, and he, you're right. As a caper movie, uh, yeah. It, it, again, I just wish the story were better. But he handled himself really well. Um, and I think he's growing. He's becoming a little bit more confident about his ability yeah. as a director. And you can tell he has a passion for it. Um, and he has a passion for his actors. I think he, I think he greatly cares for, for the people that he has on board. Um, he likes Joey King. He mm-hmm. said that. He said that Joey King is his muse. He enjoys working with her. And she adores working with him. It's like her second dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and And... I'd like to see her in more movies as well. I think she's an, a young actress that that deserves a shot at blossoming more and, and being being given more attention and perhaps being given some more roles. I, I think she's she's, she's really got two good. more movies as of right now slated in twenty seventeen coming mm-hmm. out. She could have more, but those are the ones announced, yeah. if you will. Yeah. So, so. Uh, they like working together. Obviously, um, it would be interesting. Warner Brothers New Line can't, like, they, they have to be happy with what a movie that's been sitting on a shelf for about a year. They have to be happy about its well, dividends thus far. I mean, in that regard, and, right? So it went up against Smurfs and The Case of Christ, which I haven't seen The Case of Christ, nor have I seen The Smurfs, but at least I've heard this of The mm-hmm. Smurfs. Um, projected to make around $8 million, um, but... It finished fourth at the box office um, with almost twelve million in the opening weekend. So, yeah. you know, above expectation. Now, here's—I'll uh, give you a little Hollywood insight, a little background insight. If you were reading the trades at all, if you're into that, uh, or reading any of the movie news into that weekend, if you were going into Sunday, to Sunday, going in style on its estimated gross, a headline was reading. Beat out the Smurfs. Beat it out. That's the estimated gross. Then when the real-time gross came in, it fell to fourth behind the Smurfs, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that, that, that is jockeying for position. That's jockeying because here's the deal, folks. If you really want to know the lowdown about <clears throat> box office grosses and you want to know the real story, you have to hunt for it. Because you're not going to, you'll hear about it Monday morning, but you'll hear about the estimated grosses on Sunday. It won't be until after, sometime well in the afternoon on Monday, in which the real grosses will come out. And um, there could be changes. I mean, I mean, in today's day and age with the technology they have for grabbing this information, it's become a ton better. But still on Sunday, you have to. Uh, the people who do this, and I've done this, um, you have to predict. You have to sort of kind of forecast what you think your picture is going to do on a Sunday. You have to factor in that drop. You have to factor in the time of year that it's in. Is there holidays going? There's a lot to factor in, and you got to figure it out. But the other thing that happens, too, is sometimes a studio will say, 
boy, if we're going to be close, if we think we're going to be close to, if movie B says, you know, we're going to be close to movie A, and I want to beat that studio. So whatever you do, try to factor in, but try to make it so that it's not so obvious. But we get when we uh, and, and then it becomes a game of chicken because then you sit around because here's how it works. So on Sunday morning, <clears throat> all the studios have people who are putting grosses together. OK, so they each come up with their numbers and it goes through a committee. You're talking about the heads of distribution. It's like, OK, OK. Well, has anybody announced yet? Well, nobody's announced yet. Well, let's wait till for, 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 for let's wait for Paramount to announce. Okay, so then Paramount announces. Okay, is anybody else in there? We don't want to announce just yet. We want to hold off. So then it becomes a waiting game as to studios announcing, and then if a studio announces that they might think that they can edge out for that Sunday, they go okay. Make the number a little bit, because we don't want to be number four. It looks better for our bottom line if we say that we're number three. And we're not going to beat them out by, like, 20 million. Beat them out by hundreds of thousands. Yeah, it could, it's like the price is right. Yeah. <laughs> it, you're right. It, it, it becomes that. You don't make it egregious. And then you come out on Sunday. And then what happens is on Sunday and Monday morning, the estimates come out. And all in the headlines, it will say, going in style, beat the Smurfs. That's what people pay attention to. Later on in Monday, and then in Tuesday morning, when you find out the actual Monday grows, that's not what really happened. And going in style is number four, and the Smurfs are number three. But it's not, it's not made headlines. Nobody says, oops, we, were, oh, we, we overestimated. Like, so in the people's minds and the consciousness, you're like... Even if you mildly pay attention to it, you'll say, oh, yeah, going in style beat the Smurfs. When the actuality of it is, it, it didn't. It, so, like you said, it does $11 million thus far, though. Here's the thing. Thus far, that movie has made $17 million as of April 13th. $17 million, Not too shabby. Um, I didn't realize it was open in foreign territories, which accounted for 22% of the gross. So, all in worldwide... Uh, going in style has made twenty-one million dollars. I can tell you, and you've really heard these words for both. I was a little bit. I was surprised going into this. They weren't marketing that movie to me. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that much. So, um, twenty, yeah, twenty-one million dollars worldwide. That's uh, that's not bad. I mean, they're going to make their money back. They have to be happy for a movie that they had collecting dust. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that, that's like that's like found money under the couch, <laughs> like under the seat cushion. That's what this movie is right now for them. And they're like, "Hey, Zach, good job." And this could get Zach his next studio directing gig, and maybe he doesn't have to do it to Kickstarter again. Yeah. I, you know, if if nothing else, I'm excited. For that opportunity, um, I think I think he deserves it. He's a good director. He's a great actor. Um, so I'd love to see him do more. I've seen him in interviews too, and he just he's very enthusiastic. Yeah. I like watching him. I like hearing him talk uh, <laughs> about stuff because he does know the craft, and he stands he stands behind it. And uh, yeah, he likes it. I, I I would love to talk with him about that. Zach, mm. come on in. <laughs> <laughs> come in, Mister Braff. We'll be nice. We'll be gentle. Uh, It'll be fun. It will be. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
Well, audiences overall, I mean, they gave it a B plus, so it's it seemed like for the most part. I mean, that's not an A, obviously, but it's not. It, you know, it's it's encouraging enough for the people that did watch it. Mm-hmm. I would give it a B plus myself. Yeah. It, okay. Maybe yeah. give it a B minus C plus, but D. Okay. And not and that's not for a Dimitri. That's just it made me angry at the end of the day. I just I, I wish I had hoped you know because Don't I do be like a the original. Man. I, I know that's, <laughs> that's it though. <laughs> that's it. I walked out of the theater going. Am I a grumpy old man for hating this movie? Am I like, am I that crumbrudgeon? Because, and then I said, fuck that. I go, no, I'm just a person who has taste. Like, who likes movies. This isn't a good one. I don't care what age you're at. But the audience, like I said, I was the youngest, so screw you. (laughs) I was the youngest in there. They were eating it up. So, um, you know, when you look at 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, though, and here again, we talk about this all the time. The schism between what can be in Rotten Tomatoes and what can be on a cinema score. And sometimes they're vastly different, like this movie right here. That, you know, that's, that, that's a split. 45 is not fresh. No. Um, uh, at all. And, uh, you know, it gets a B plus, which is pretty decent. And it means that, too. Here's the other thing. Going into the movie, I was talking to a, a friend of mine uh, who, who works uh, for, for, for Exhibition. And MJR Theaters. And I love this woman to death. And we were talking about going in style. She saw it. And uh, she really enjoyed it. And I said, how much do you think this movie's going to do? I go, I'm like, if this movie does, like, nine, I'd be sure. She goes, oh, no. She goes, I go, but I haven't, I'm not seeing any advertising. I'm not seeing marketing. But they were not going for, you know, they weren't putting advertisement on the Expanse. Or the Goldbergs, so to speak. They were definitely, they reached out to their audience and they got that older, that 20% you said, right? They, they got that audience to come in and go to the movies, you know? And you have to think about this too. Think about this, Gross. It is a discounted ticket. I mean, I'm not making fun, folks. It's a senior citizen ticket, which yeah. is usually like a child. So they're not paying $10, $12. They're that's an $8 ticket. So if $8 is getting you up to almost $12 million, they went in mass, so to speak. You know? So congratulations, you know. People it's a cheaper ticket. People are liking that's a really cheap t- <laughs> My ticket's usually like 16 bucks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is only, LA. I get that. My, my only saving grace is, you know, and not that I would have seen it, it wasn't an IMAX. <laughs> so I usually, if, if the if the if it's afforded me, uh, I'll try to see it. But I think I might have not seen. I didn't need to see this in IMAX. You but, need to uh, see it in three D XD. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. No. Or forty X. No, <laughs> no uh, I, I didn't. But uh, but that should say something. You know, the only thing is now is that it's going to be copied. You can bet that the studios, after the opening weekend grows, right? Even even though it came in at number four, you know this. Well, the fact true. that it beat almost it, it just even it almost it, beats Murphs. Like that's insane. Like yeah. we should not be having that conversation. Correct, <laughs> right? But what happens? You know, show me scripts with old people. <laughs> I want old people scripts. I want old people stories. Which I don't. I, I actually don't think that's a bad thing. No, but make them good. Make them good. You know, like 
Grumpy old men is good. Uh, gone fishing is not old men, but I think it, it's older yeah. <laughs> older than me. I'll say. So, um, but but I think those like just those ty- kinds of buddy movies, just with older people, you know, right. I think that's fine. Yeah. No, absolutely. Especially, look, you know, when you have, you can you can put cast like this together. They're obviously, but but I say you just strive for trying to make it a little bit more acceptable. Like have every get a cross section, like because mm-hmm. these people in a good or in a really good story could be a really good commercial success. And I'm not saying again, I wasn't looking for Ocean's Eleven out of this, but if you gave them a little bit more confidence, a little bit more smarts, a little more meat into that story, right? Then you could have gotten far better reviews. You have this cast. Like, the cast is drawing a lot of people in, I would think, from a marketing standpoint. I'm just saying, try not to be lazy, for, for lack of a better word. That may not be the right word. But uh, you can strive to do something that's better, that's a comedy that doesn't disrespect the subject matter. That's all. That's all I'm, you know. So, Las Vegas. Did you see the movie Las Vegas? Which I think wasn't Alan Arkin in that. Uh, I'm not sure. I did not see it. So, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, that had well, that did have Morgan. Well, that had Morgan Freeman in it for sure. Um, let's see: Michael Douglas, Robert De Niro, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Klein, Mary Steenburgen. So definitely an older, definitely an older cast. And I, I'll be honest, as I actually thought Las Vegas was a better movie mm-hmm. um, than this. So, not a ton better. But that movie made $63 million all yeah. in. $63 million. Its production budget was at 28 So, $3 million more. They filmed in Vegas, obviously. They had an opening weekend. Well, catch this. They had an opening weekend of $16 million. Not that... We're talking $4 million disparity on an opening weekend, right? And all in, that Las Vegas... Grows sixty three million dollars. Yeah, it's people pay. People yeah. want it. If yeah, if you just have make it good. Yeah, just That's make all. it good. Make it good. Yeah. Sure. Put put the talent in there. These people deserve respect. They deserve an audience's respect. I think they put in the they put in the time and they put in performances, and they've given us so much from movie history that you know <clears throat> to put these people together, you gotta go. Oh, how, how can this miss? You know, I mean, it, I, I was sucked into that. I, I won't know. lie in terms, in terms of the promotion. I said well, they, they were. This looks good. Is that what? Well, let me ask you. Is it good? What drew you in? Like, what did you? Yeah. What, well, what about it that drew you in? I number one, the premise that you know it's something that we don't see. So I, I think just strive for that. Just something we've never seen. And so. Right. For me, even I've never heard of going in style um, as a movie before sure. this. Unfortunately, right. the this the seventy nine one, and so I looked at it. I was like, "Oh, this seems original enough." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I like all these actors. I you know, the trailer makes out to be funny and slapstick, yeah. so I'm in. Yeah, but but the cast had something to oh, do with 100%. it. Like if it was somebody else, like yeah, it, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other older actors like even if Robert De Niro Dustin Hoffman who we were naming like you could interswap these guys for, for sure. some of those and I still would have been interested but if it was right. just 
an unknown to me, right. then yeah, I'd been like, okay, the premise is cool, but eh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, when you're putting this package together and you have these three guys, that would that to me seems like that's relatively easy. Yeah. You should be able to cut a good trailer with these three talents in there and whether the movie's funny or not, you should be able to like cut something that makes it look funny. So yeah, they and they cut it and they marketed it to the to that audience <clears throat> who went. And again, like I said, uh, they were getting at a lower ticket price, mostly. Huh. So, and that's something that you know you need to think about. And if they're making up, what did you say, twenty percent of the audience? That's yeah, that was the statistic. Yeah. And by the way, that um, that's a general statistic of what I saw as moviegoers. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what this article was trying to portray of of why there should be movies such as this. And sure. That. Um, we should treat the elderly with a little bit more respect because they yeah. do represent twenty percent of our box office. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an otherwise underserved demo. Yeah, and I think that I think that as a whole, we're getting a little bit more diversity in film yeah. because of everything that's been bandied about. Whether it's we have to serve the Latin American audience, which is just huge, huge audience. So you know, we have. I can't wait to look at the demos for Fate of the Fury, Fate and the Furious, because those demos, when you talk a cross section. You know, the Latin American audience loves those movies, loves them. And they go in droves just like anybody else. But I, I always love looking at the demos of that because you have to figure whatever box office it's going to bring in. that's what they look to favor. I don't know. How are we doing domestically, internationally? But I think we're becoming a little more diverse in that. And so I think we will start to maybe see like Hollywood doesn't like to leave money on the table. And they will copy. <laughs> so, oh, going in style. Do we have another old movie? Can we can we reimagine Grumpy Old Men? <laughs> Who do we get <laughs> for that? Uh, Somebody. I would love to see Gone right. Fishing with you know, and, and more than just two people. You know, I think you, you, can, you can make a trio for Gone sure. Fishing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even just make something new. Just, yeah. just there's plenty of movies to be had. Sure, absolutely. Um, I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. So keep that, going. And honestly, like to be honest, like if there's a reason why I went, it's because even though it's not to me, it seemed like an original idea. Sure. And that that's it. That's all yeah. it takes. Yeah. So. Yep. No, I agree. I, I agree with you. Sometimes this is the smallest thing that'll help. That'll have you go to a movie. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, even gifted, like it just it, on the surface, it's a custody. We talked about it. It's a custody movie. It's a um, it's a genius mathematician movie combined together, and yeah, made something special. And my one major difference when we talked when we talked gifted, I felt gifted was genuine. Yeah, in 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 pulling out emotion from me, and I got emotional. Uh, this movie wasn't so much, but I totally see. See, um, and and I to an extent I understand its success, but I think that that audience can demand and should demand maybe a little bit more. But I think Hollywood will, I think we'll start to see a little bit more of those types of movies, and hopefully these people will still be able to act um, and 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 get out there and perform. So there you have it. Absolutely, Um, and I love to see Christopher Lloyd in something. Uh, Me too. I think as of late, he's more been in that. Uh, recycling, kind of like even with Piranha, he's recycling Doc Brown because people just, and I don't think it's his fault, they're just telling him, do this. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, fine, that, you're paying me to act, so that's how you want me to act. I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, 
I think, yeah. I think he can go and be. I'd like to see one uh, great more performance from him. I couldn't agree with him more. I think there's got to be a director and a storyteller out there that could put him in a role, giving him, giving his acting chops uh, a little bit more respect. I mean, you say Doc Brown and he was Reverend Jim in Taxi. You know, he's that way out guy. He was he was Michael Richards in Taxi before Michael Richards became the Michael Richards we know and love in Seinfeld, you know? And uh, you're right. I, I, you know, I agree. I would like somebody to put him in a movie outside of going in style where they let him act and let him yeah. be funny without having to channel Doc Brown. He obviously loves Doc Brown. He does, but I mean, you know, there's there's uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, there's Fester. But I would love one more... <laughs> Great, iconic character for Chris Lloyd. Me too. Before the end. Me too. And I think he he did. I know he. I think you know. I, I having the privilege of met him. I think he's more than capable of doing it. Agreed. But, but it's not up to him, unfortunately. It's up to the yeah. world. It's up to the world. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And like I said, Star Trek Three. He was Commander Krug. <laughs> he was Captain Kurt's nemesis in that movie in the search for Spock. Um, all right. Any final thoughts before we? Uh, we go out in style. No. All right, so we're going to go out in style at D Movie 1701. Nobody has ever accused me of that, but uh, I'll just go out uh, at D Movies 1701. Yeah, please support me on Twitter. I'm trying to get up to the, uh, trying to get into double digits. So. You yeah. uh, follow us here at the Popcorn Talk. Thank you. As always, we've got a ton of movies, both in our archive. Uh, we've done a lot of Michael Caine movies, a lot of our Alan. Arkin movies and Morgan Freeman movies, so definitely lots to choose from in the past. Speaking of, have you seen The In Laws? I have not. Him? With Peter Falk? I have not. Okay. I've not seen either. You, you, no, no. He started opposite Peter Falk. Oh, in either iteration. Either. See the original uh, In Laws. Uh, I have a Criterion Blu-ray of it. Have you over? We'll have popcorn. I'll throw something on the grill. Hyster- hysterical. And Peter Falk, talk about, like, hysterical. It's a great, great, great movie. So. Well, there you have it. Um, so definitely check out our archives. Uh, we don't have that movie in our archives, but no. <laughs> we've got lots of other ones for you to check out. Um, so we're at no shortage. Uh, we're, we passed the 350 mark. Uh, soon 400. I don't know how far away we are from 400. Um, I just never really checked that stuff, and then one day I look, oh my god, we've done over 400. We we've need done to over press this. release that stuff. Are we really over 350? I believe so. We need to press release that out. 350 episodes? That's syndication rights, my friend. Where's my contract? What the hell? <laughs> Listen, we just do, we're so in love with what we do. That we take, no, we just do it. We just do it without knowing what the hell we're doing. Uh, so, but, uh, yeah, you know, um, that just goes to show most people just do things to feel accomplishment. We just do it for the sheer, pure love of it. We don't even even track any accomplishments within our own life. We need to. For better or worse. That'll better us. 350 shows strong, folks. And thank you. You've been there through a lot of it. I've said this before. We're a longer show. You take time to watch us, and then you take time to write. 
very, very heartfelt. It means a lot to, speaking on behalf of us, it means a lot to all of us. It means a lot to me. Your conversation continues on. Whether you agree or disagree, your comments have been heartfelt. They've been smart writing, right? You commented on our number one fan, actually. (laughs) This is really well written. Couldn't appreciate it more. Thank you very much. There you go. And uh, to those curious, Sarah Stratton, we would love to have her back, but she's a busy actress, and we support her. That's the only there reason. But we're still friends with her. <laughs> um, that's that's the only problem with success. People sometimes have to go, but nonetheless, we support yeah. them. And um, I'm still here, so you're saying I'm not <laughs> successful. Oh, hey, okay, success I never thought is of it defi- that way. <laughs> success is defined in many different ways. Yeah. Uh, thank you, as always. Uh, we've got The Fate of the Furious coming up uh, soon thereafter. Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man Homecoming, Wonder Woman. The Circle, Baby they, Driver. They, tons and tons of movies. Hey. And I'm going to say, Phil, we, we saw Fate of the Furious last night. It was good. saw that together. We had a good time. But thank you, Phil. It was, uh, you know, I mostly see movies uh, going alone. and uh, But it was good. It was, it's good getting out with the crew. It was good to see you. Thanks for coming along. It was a good, it was a good ride. Uh, there you go. See? So, uh, Just so yeah. you know, we are friends behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, yeah. All right. Thank <laughs> you guys as always. We'll see you next time. Bye. Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.